Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Hill City Church in Springfield, Missouri. We are a community of believers who exist to glorify God by making disciples who bring gospel restoration to our city and world. For more information about Hill City or to support our ministry, you can find us online at hillcitysgf.org. An argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side and said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said to him, Do not stop him, for the one who is not against you is for you. That is the word of the Lord, Luke chapter 9, that was 46 through 50. So Hill City Church, I just want to throw out some facts really quickly about us. We are a young church. If you're visiting here, we're a very young church, two and a half years old. We are a growing church. We have two gatherings. We are young. We are growing. We are actually financially self-sustaining, like we pay our own bills without anybody's help, and that's a good thing. The Lord has blessed us. We have had success. Hill City Church has had success, and furthermore, I would go on to say this. We actually have some pretty big plans for the future. If you've been around the last month or so, we've, we've got some really big plans. We're trusting the Lord for big, big things. So, so we're very young, we've had success, and we're dreaming big. And that's good, but it, it is also an ecosystem in which pride could thrive. Are you with me? It's very dangerous, and we must be aware of it, Okay? And I just want to remind us, now we're in Luke, but I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians because I believe this is us. Now don't be offended by this, it's the word of God, but I'm just going to read us, okay? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, don't worry about that. For consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards, Not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I have, and you have, And we have what we have.
because of Jesus. Period. The disciples missed this. That's actually what we read in in Luke. The disciples missed this. We too are capable of missing this. And I don't want us to do that. Like we woke up today. Right? Raise your hand if you woke up today. All right? We woke up today because Jesus. Okay? You have the talents that you have, whatever they might be, because of Jesus. You met the people that you've met in your life because of Jesus. You have the business partners that you have because of Jesus. Your success is because of Jesus. And here's the deal. Without question, I want, purpose, I want to be a great leader. I want that. And I want to be in a great church. What is greatness? And I'd argue this. Greatness is, or should I say true greatness, is this. Humility. If there's a word of the day, of the day that's the one I want it to be today. It's humility. And I want to kind of settle in on two points about greatness or humility. True greatness is this. Less is more. So that's number one. True greatness is this. Less is more. Meaning this. I'm going to serve myself less. I'm going to serve others more. And then the second point I want to make about true greatness is this. True greatness is less prideful exclusion and more humble inclusion. I think we can see that in the book of Luke today. If you look, so you got these disciples and they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. All right, look at verse 46. They're, they're arguing and arguing arose as to which of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reason of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side. Now Jesus, is, Jesus does this a lot. We can see the patience of Jesus here. Right? He's got these meatheads like arguing about who's going to be the greatest, and he just calmly handles it. He shows patience. Like he's dealing with these young, testosterone full, driven men. And to them, like questions about rank seemed very important at the time. Like in their minds, if you've been here, if you've been here uh, with us through Luke, like in their minds, this insane kingdom is about ready to take over. That, that, that's what they're envisioning. This new kingdom, and they're going to be a part of it. And in their minds, they're thinking like glory, messianic glory. They're thinking takeover. They're thinking status. They're thinking rank. They're thinking title. Look at what Jesus does. Actually, we can look at what Jesus does and what he doesn't do. In verse 47, it says, But Jesus, knowing the reason of their hearts, he took a child and put him by his side. Now, Jesus doesn't say, idiots, don't try to be great. 
Like he, he didn't tell them that. He didn't say, hey boys, greatness is bad. So let's, let's, let's not misunderstand what Jesus is doing here. Now what Jesus does do is define greatness. Or might I say redefines greatness. Or I think maybe even the best word here is redeems greatness. And he does it by grabbing a child. Now let's know this before we look at this kid situation, okay? When the Son of God says something, is, it is. Not up for discussion. That happened at creation. He said something is and it was. Are you with me? Okay? Still true today. When he says something is, it is. So when Jesus tells us in this passage what greatness is, that's what greatness is. There there is no alternative definition that we get to make up. Jesus tells us what greatness is. That is yet another aspect of this upside-down kingdom that he is setting up. This alternative kingdom then now gives true or alternative definitions to words like greatness. Hill City Church, do we understand greatness? Hill City Church, do we understand Jesus? See, because here's the truth. You become like what you worship. You know this, right? You become like what you worship. And your view of Jesus will show up in how you live. And if Jesus is your king, if Jesus is your Lord, if Jesus is the ruler of you, that will show up in how you live. Now, before we dive into this, I want to make sure that you're not hearing something that I'm not saying, okay? So if you're hearing that we should lower the bar of excellence, or if you're hearing that our standards of excellence should be knocked down a notch, um, you are hearing incorrectly, Okay, striving for excellence and greatness is good. Okay, I want us today to evaluate the how and the why we strive for that. Because the Bible would tell us that everything we do, we do it for the Lord. So it doesn't mean to lower your standards. I'm not saying greatness is bad. But we need a proper definition of greatness. Our king, our leader, tells us that true greatness is serving. And it takes humility to serve. I want to read Mark's account. It's the same, same account as Luke, but I just want to read Mark's account in chapter 9. So we're in Luke chapter 9, but in Mark chapter 9, it's, it's the same story I want to read again. And they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent. For on the way, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest, and he sat down, he called the twelve, and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all, and servant of all. And he took a child, and he put him in the midst of them, and he, taking him in his arms, he said, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Jesus uses a child to make a point 
Now we got to talk a little bit about the culture and children. Okay, there was no Disneyland here. There weren't slides in McDonald's and Happy Meals. In this culture, children were devalued. Like oftentimes, a child would cost the life of a mother. Children couldn't help work for a while. They were kind of a drag, a burden, because they couldn't work in the fields or work in the, the family business. See, children and slaves were at the bottom of the household chart in this culture. Well, let me step out and just do a little bit of a side note about current reality in case we just want to step in and look at this passage and look at that culture and think, man, that's, that's wicked. Like, we love the little children, don't we? Like, 2018, United States of America, how dare them devalue children? Over 800,000 children are going to be killed in the United States in 2018. We live in a culture where couples will not have children specifically because they want to have fun. So is our culture much different than the culture Jesus was dealing with? I say we might even be a little worse. Now, let's get back into Luke. Because if you see in verse 48 what Jesus does here. And he said to them, whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you is the one who is great. See, well, here's what Jesus does in this moment, in this quick moment, he flips the household order on its head. Like that word receives, whoever receives this child, what that would literally mean is whoever would submit to serving this child receives me. And what Jesus is saying is this, whoever it is that culture would say is the lowest in my kingdom you go lower like you go below whoever culture says is the lowest you go low and not just go low you go low and you serve them so so let's just be clear like i think it's awesome to have friends over to your house and make a meal and fellowship and serve them. Don't quit doing that. Like I think many of you will likely this week have to entertain or serve clients at your workplace. Fair enough. Like there are ways that we serve that aren't exactly what Jesus was talking about here. It's not the heart of Jesus, like, just go do things and be nice to people. There's more to this passage than that. 
Here's what he is saying. In my kingdom, I'm going to flip on its head. You go serve people who cannot offer you anything in return. Serve those who can't serve you back. And he uses a kid as an example. Okay, now here's what I know. I speak on strong authority here. Kids don't make you great. Okay, I have four of them. Like a child is not the model of humility. Parents, like an amen or something here. They're not. Like I'm yet to hear the story. Listen, so many of you, and we're so great, so many of you serve Hill City Kids. Like I, I have not yet to hear Emily or anybody come to me and say, man, Brody and all of his seven-year-old buddies came to me after class and just thanked me for expounding on the Word of God. And they told me how they were going to use this this week at school to honor their teachers and their classmates and they were so grateful for your service. Like, I'm waiting. I, ha- I haven't heard that story. It's not what kids do, right? Like, what else you got for me? What else you have for me? Oh, that was a fun class. Oh, that was kind of boring. I wish we could have got to watch this instead of this. Like, that's what kids, okay, let's just be real here. They're cute, but they're not really sometimes. This passage in Luke is not pointing us to a child to say, hey, be like, a, be like this child. I think it's been misrepresented at times. This passage is pointing us to Jesus. Furthermore, let's go back to his audience. Can we go back to his audience just, just quickly, okay? Um, the disciples, blue collar, like hard-nosed, Dirt in the fingernails, men, like tough guys, like Sons of Thunder was a nickname for a couple of them. One was the Zealot. Okay, these aren't the guys out rocking babies to sleep. And this is Jesus' audience. And here's the deal, they've done some cool stuff. Right? We've learned about it up to this point. They've done some cool stuff. They have seen their leader do some cool stuff. And without question, they were starting to develop some swagger. Right? It's kind of what men do when they start feeling cool. Agree? Come on, ladies, now this is where you're like, yeah, give, give me some. Right? Some, 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 some bounce in their step. We're casting out some demons. We're healing some people. This is our leader. Like he's doing anything he wants. They're starting to develop some swagger. Now hear me, because this is huge. Jesus didn't ever, ever, Because in his kingdom, 
and in his church, that swagger is unacceptable. This passage is about Jesus. This passage is not about a kid or how precious kids are. This passage is about Jesus. And he is our our example of true servanthood, humility. He is our example of greatness. And he tells us how to be great. And And the Holy Spirit inspired some words later on out of Philippians that just repeats this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Let me stop. That's exactly what the disciples were doing when they were talking about who's going to be the greatest. It was selfish ambition and conceit. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interest, but also the interest of others. Have this mind among you, which is yours, it's possible because of Jesus. It is yours in Christ Jesus, who, now here's the example, here's true greatness. This is true greatness. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a, of a what? Servant. The creator of the world could have anything he wanted at any time. And he emptied himself of that. And he took the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He, what did he do? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That is the definition of greatness. True greatness is less is more, meaning I'm going to serve myself less and I'm going to serve others more. See, the disciples had this mindset that they were kind of special. They got to see some things. They got to do some things. So selfish ambition and conceit had crept in. And we know this because they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest. But that's not the only reason we know this. Look at verse 49 and 50. John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, do not stop him. For the one who is not against you is for you. So it's not that true greatness and humility is that less is more and serving others more and ourselves less. But it's also less prideful exclusion and more humble inclusion. See, there's a key little phrase right there that the disciples used. They were not with us. Like, we're your guys, Jesus. We're the inner circle. 
See, complete lack of humility here, right? They had, they had gained some significant attention. Let's not forget what they had been doing. They had gained some significant attention. And then here comes this other guy doing what they could do. And he stole some of their attention. See, the disciples had some position. Why did they have position? Because Jesus gave it to them. The disciples had some power. Because Jesus gave it to them. Position and power without humility is a very dangerous thing. You know, one of the things I love about Hill City, and listen, many of you have been to many churches, and maybe some of you this is going to be so foreign to, but here's what I love about Hill City. There are no celebrities here. You know what I mean? Like, Daniel and I, like, we're down here literally every Sunday, and if we get two people to come talk to us, we're like, it's a great day. Like, I'm not begging for you to come talk to us. Don't, don't think that's some ploy, but like, like, there are churches where, like, the pastor, if they could, they're like lines waiting to just hear a word from him or something. You, you know what I mean? Or there are churches where, like, the pastor's wife is like the matriarch queen. Okay? It's not going to happen here. It's not going to happen with Daniel. It's not going to happen with me. It's not going to happen with our wives. It's not going to happen with our kids. It's not going to happen with Scott. It's awesome. There's just no celebrities here. There's no place for that in God's kingdom. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. I love that about our church. So I'm very competitive, okay? If I play a sport with you, if I agree to, just let's just not do it, okay? Most of the time I just don't agree to do it because I know myself. Um, I'm way too competitive. I, I love to win things and I really hate to lose. Um, that can be a very dangerous thing for me. Can we celebrate other people's success? Like, can we celebrate other churches' success? Can I celebrate other pastors' success? Because here's the deal, I'm gonna, I know this is being recorded, I'm going to go on record, this is going to come back to totally haunt me one day, I'm, so whatever. There have been times where I'm like, no, I want that to be Hill City's success, not theirs. Like, I wish I would have got to preach that message and not him. Like, we want people restored. We want people to follow 
Jesus? Can we celebrate when it happens in another church and not Hill City? Like we had three baptisms this morning. We're going to have three more at 11. Can we celebrate when a church down the road has 15? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to join me in this. Okay? I don't know if Daniel's in here. I didn't get his permission for this. Not that I have to have it, but it's just nice to do that sometimes, to run things by each other. Um, So here's what I'm going to do. There's a pastor that Daniel and I used to work with. And we just found out Monday, whatever, someday last week, that he's going to be planting a church. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to join me. Right now, I want to pray for Dwayne Hoffman, who's getting ready to plant a church. So I'm going to ask you to join me in that. So God, in this moment, without question, I'm lifting up Dwayne and Amy to you as they embark on an adventure to start one community church. God, I want your hand over it, and I want him to succeed, and I want you to get your glory, and I want lives to be restored, and I want, if it's thousands, I want thousands of people to be drawn to you through this church. So anoint him, anoint his core group team that he's going to be building, and give them great success. God, I mean this. And I'm asking it in the name of Jesus. Amen. If we can't do that, we will never be great, Hill City. That has to be our heart. true greatness. Less is more, meaning we've got to serve ourselves less and serve others more. We have got to bring a gospel lift to this city, and it will not happen by having more church services. It will happen when we go out and get low and get our hands dirty out there and provide gospel lift. We've got to serve ourselves less and serve others more. And true greatness is less prideful exclusion and more humble inclusion. Are you willing to serve Hill City? Are we willing to truly serve? There's one point I got to make before we end here, just to be very clear. Okay? Okay? Your service will never save you. Service doesn't save you. Jesus saves. And the gospel truth is this. We needed help.
had to be served. We had no hope until Jesus came and served. And that ultimate service was Jesus on a cross where he took everything that we deserved and he just took it. And then he was putting it on the ground and then he served us even more by resurrecting and conquering death. That's what saves us, not our service, but it's out of that service that we can then be enabled to then go serve our city, each other, the lowest of the low. It's our calling. And if we're unwilling and unable to do that, it's likely we're not members of this new upside-down kingdom. So we're going to come receive communion. And this serves as an ultimate picture of true greatness. This serves as an ultimate picture of what real-life humility is. It's a picture of what Jesus did for us when he ultimately served us.